eternity, seed time and harvest, Father, and we choose to participate in it in faith and obedience, Father. And we call forth blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. guy and I live in paradise good morning Colby. I've lived here in free city my whole life I've got a best friend I've got a goldfish and I work at the bank what more could a guy want Sunday should be warm and sunny just a scattering of drive-bys great day for the beach not Hitman's Beach, which will be mined and sprayed with high-caliber fire from a renegade gunship stolen by... And every morning, I start my day with the most delicious coffee in the whole wide whole world. Medium coffee, cream, two sugars. You know it. Mmm. Mmm. That is unexpectedly hot. Jeez, that's good. Thank you for making this with such love. You're welcome. Officer Johnny! Have a good one, guy. Don't have a good day. Have a great day! <laughs> Hold the fudge. You mean to tell me that nobody snapped up those bad boys? Today's the day. Like every other day. I'll be back for those. Oh, so close. Mm, this is the greatest cup of coffee of all time. I want to write a song about it. I want to dance to that song. My body. I love my life. It's about finding your lane and just staying in it. That's why they call them comfort songs. In Free City, I have everything I need. Don't have a good day. Have a great day. <laughs> Take care. Except one thing. Seem happy. Amen. Have you enjoyed God on Film so far? Yes. Amen. It's been rich to us. Go ahead and turn to your Bible in your Bible to Gal Galatians chapter one. Amen. I'm so excited to be sharing with you guys this morning. Woke up this morning, the Lord just talking to me about what He wants to do today. My expectations are high, so I just. Uh, ask you to join with me in raising our level of expectation this morning. Because listen, our experience will not exceed our level of expectation. God meets us at the point of our faith. So raise your expectations right now. In worship, we sang about the victory of Christ and all that is provided us. So we should already be looking higher. We should already be expecting God to do great things because he's in the midst of us. Amen. We need to awaken to the reality that the Lord is here. Before you ever see anything supernatural, you got to know by revelation of the word of God that God is here in this place this morning and he is desiring to do great things in the lives of everybody who's assembled here today. Amen. So as we played that intro, I just want to give you a quick little intro background on the movie. 
And, uh, you know, just kind of as a disclaimer, we are not promoting any movies. We are simply taking what Hollywood spent millions of dollars to create and using it to redeem, you know, godly principles for for the benefit of the church and for the glory of God. Amen. And, you know, when I was looking for clips at clips for this movie, there were so many things I wanted to show, but the soundtrack didn't really lend itself to playing it in church. So. <laughs> but I believe the Lord's given me enough to demonstrate what I want to share with you this morning. And that's all about uh, awakening to and walking in the freedom that Christ has made available to us as believers. See, the main character in the movie is Guy, but he is not a person. He's an NPC. For all you gamers out there, you already know what that is, but there's probably a lot of people who don't. That's a non-player character in a video game, and this game's called Free City. So these are the characters that don't actually play. They just get shot and beat up on and abused, and they have no defenses <laughs> of their own to fight back or to even defend themselves. And so he's a non-player character uh, in the game. And uh, this story is really about him awakening and discovering that his existence is not at all what he supposes it to be. Boy, that sounds familiar. He is living out a pre-programmed existence, and he has been a slave to the system. Free city isn't really free, and neither is Guy, not yet at least. So when let's go to Galatians chapter 1. You know, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but boy, isn't that the story of humanity? Man. Galatians chapter 1 verse 3 says this, it says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You know God's will for you is that you would experience his grace and his peace. Who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever Amen. Amen. <laughs> so this is precisely what the Word of God teaches. We were born slaves. We were born slaves unaware that we were enslaved in an evil age. And Jesus came to deliver us out of that slavery. So many people put the benefits of salvation off to the age to come. In fact, religious Christianity has taught a good news that puts all the goodness in the future. And you can't partake of what you postpone. What Jesus came to do was bring liberty right here, right now, in the midst of your mess, in the midst of your trouble, he came to bring deliverance to a people who were enslaved but didn't even know it. The very fact that it says that he gave himself to deliver us uh, indicates that we were slaves even if we didn't know it. And how many people, uh, it, it's funny, but people tend to deny the truth. You know, I, I'm thinking about when Jesus told the Jews 
that he came to liberate them from slavery. And they said, we've never been a slave to anybody. And at that very time, they were under Roman occupation. (laughs) They were under the occupation of a foreign nation. But how many believers will sit and deny that they are enslaved to things and will not face the truth? Mm. And so you're unable to partake of the liberty that's been provided for you because you're not even willing to admit that you've been enslaved to something. Jesus came to deliver us from this present evil age. That's one of the characteristics of this age is the enslavement of men. You know, I think about even in, uh, you know, with my testimony, whenever I was in the throes of addiction, I would have told you, I'm not an, I'm not an addict. I can quit any time I want to. I just don't want to yet. <laughs> How dumb is that? <laughs> you know, the very, the, the very thing that was destroying me that I hated the results of, I would say I had power over it. Mm. You got to be able to admit where you've been before you can go somewhere else. Uh, in God. And one of the other things about this verse that I wanted to share is that our deliverance isn't out of this present evil age. It's deliverance in the midst of this present evil age. Oh, what did Jesus say in John 17, 15 when he was praying to the Father? He said, Father, I don't ask that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Oh, come on. Jesus gave himself to deliver us out of this present evil age while we're still in the midst of it. Amen. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. I'm trying to kind of take my time and ease into this. And you know, I'm sharing some verses, especially here at the first that we have looked at extensively over the last few years. But uh, I'm glad to remind you of these things. Because listen, biblical knowledge isn't intellectual, it's experiential. And if you're still in bondage, you don't know it yet. If you're still in bondage, you don't know it yet. See, in in the modern church, we think if we can... Quote it, we know it. (laughs) But until you're walking in it, you do not know it. Anything we're not doing or experiencing, we don't know yet. So we need to go back over it. Why? Because faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know what? Was it Peter that said, it's not grievous to me to say the same thing to you again? Why? Because you need to hear it again. (laughs) You obviously hadn't got it yet. I obviously haven't got it yet. The Lord wouldn't have had me share this with you. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, And you were dead. You were dead. That means you were separated from life, true life. You were existing, but you weren't living. Oh, man, there's a big difference. I spent a lot of my life existing, but I wasn't truly living. I wasn't living the life of God's design. 
You were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world. You know, when you look at course and world in the Greek, it's system or it's, uh, it's age and world system. So we all once walked according to the system of the age. Here is why this present age is an evil age because there's a system that has been constructed in this, in this age that is meant to enslave you to it so that you will have to follow after it. And it goes on and says that you walked according to the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air. Here is the architect of the system. The prince of the power of the air. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. That's talking about unbelievers. You know, I would have told you back before I started to follow Christ. I would have told you. I, you know, this was, was kind of my motto. It's my life and I'm going to live it the way that I want to. Isn't that the motto of the, of the rebellious at heart. <laughs> this is my life. Well, who gave you that life? <laughs> but, you know, it's deception to say that because the Bible makes it clear here that nobody is just doing what they want to do. That you're either following Christ or you're following the system of the age that was constructed by the architect, which is the prince of the power of the air. And he goes on and he says that among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our flesh, of the body and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. This system was created to give you the illusion that it had everything that you need. In that first clip, you know, he, said, he says that. He goes, I live, I'm living in paradise. It has everything that I need. But at the last, it says, except one thing. Oh, man. See, the, the system, the cosmos, this, this system that the prince of the power of the air has constructed in, in the world during this age that we live in, it is meant to cater to the lust of your flesh the lust of your eyes, and the pride of life. So it meets all of the appetites <laughs> of the flesh, but it ignores the, the real you, the spirit man, the inner man, the man that was created by God to be eternal and to live forever. It totally... Uh, shuts him out, starves him out. And this system was created so that you would follow after it. And listen, you are either following Christ or you are following the system of the world. There is no in-between. Man, Jeremiah had one of the greatest revelations. This, was a, this is one of my favorite verses in all the Bible, amazingly. But in Jeremiah 10, 23, he says, O Lord, I know the way of man is not within himself. To lead his own life. You were never designed to lead your own life. You were designed to be led 
by the spirit and the wisdom and the nature of God. Amen? Amen. So you're either following Christ or you're following after the system of the age. And so you may be a slave unaware, but Jesus came to deliver you. He came to deliver you out of this present evil age, even while in the midst of it. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. Second Corinthians 4. Let's read starting in verse 3. It says, even if our gospel is veiled, and the word gospel here just means good news. The gospel is a, uh, an announcement of good news. It's a proclamation of something that's already happened. Here's one of the reasons the church doesn't experience what Jesus provided is because we're still waiting on him to do something that he's already done. <laughs> that was extra. So even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. Those, as we said in the last verse, who are not experiencing the life of God. The reason why is because they're blinded to it. In their case, the God of this world, which is talking about Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So the system was created to blind you from the truth of the gospel, of the good news of what Jesus accomplished through his death, burial, and resurrection, which was to provide a deliverance for you from the system in the midst of it. <laughs> but the God of this world, this is the only this is the only tactic that he has. Now, for, the, for unbelievers in the world, those who aren't born again, they're blinded to it until they accept Christ. But for believers, you can still be blinded to the glory of Christ because the gospel is more than an entry message. It's more than just how you enter. It's more than how you just come into the kingdom. The gospel reveals everything that Jesus provided through his death, burial, and resurrection. So you can not just have life, but you can have life abundantly. That means to where it overflows into every aspect of your life and of your existence. That means it spills over into your individual life to where your life is now characterized by the love of God, by the peace of God, and by the joy of the Holy Spirit. It spills over into your marriage to where your marriage becomes a, a symbolic of the relationship between Christ and the church and where the kingdom of God becomes manifest in your home, where it becomes manifest in our churches. 
where it becomes manifest in your daily life, out in your career, when you're working with people who don't know Jesus or when you're at the grocery store and you're meeting people who are far from him. It's more than just coming in. It's living in the kingdom of God in the midst of a present evil age where there's a system that's constructed against you. This blindness, this is what we see in the movie, is that Guy is living in a system that was created to keep him blinded to things that are out there hidden in plain sight. And I'll just tell you that one of the main ways that Satan blinds believers to the gospel, the glorious gospel of Christ, is through legalism. In fact, where he uses the word veil twice in the verse 3, if you go back to chapter 3 and you read contextually, he's talking about coming out of the old covenant and into the new. And I'll submit this to you, that most Christians are suffering under and in bondage to mindsets that are steeped in legalism that hinder them from being able to see the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ and what he provided for us to live. We're blinded to it by our legalism. What is legalism? Legalism is when you live by a performance-based relationship with God. That you believe your right stand, your relation with his, relationship with Him is governed by the degree of your performance. Oh, I'm telling you, I can sense right now that there, there is a large majority of people in this room, myself included, who are struggling under mindsets that are steeped in legalism and they are blinding you to the realities of what Jesus has provided for you free of charge. It wasn't free. He paid for it. But it's free to you provided by grace but you can only partake of it by faith through his word when you're able to clearly see revealed to you what already belongs to you. Legalism, it hides. It blinds you. It blindfolds you to the realities. And I'll say mainly in regard to your identity in Christ. Because listen, every... um, aspect of your, of your life, your actions, your choices, your decisions, all are based on what you believe about yourself. 100%. 100%. Listen, if you believe you're depraved, you'll live depraved. If you believe you're dumb, you'll act like you're dumb. But listen, if you believe you're righteous, you'll start to live righteous. 
And the gospel of Christ is the revelation of the righteousness of God, which is by faith to everyone who believes. It's not by your works. It's by your faith in the works of Jesus. Man, wake up. We got to wake up. The devil's trying to blind us to the greatness of the reality of the righteousness of God, which has been given to men as a free gift so that we could see ourselves the way we truly are in Christ, so that we can begin to live out of that identity and we can begin to manifest the kingdom of God, even on the earth, in the midst of a present evil age and a system that's contrary to us. Man, it's a blinding to who we truly are. I'm telling you, you live out, your life is exactly the way you believe it to be. My life is exactly the way that I believe it to be. And, And the Bible reveals that when you receive God's declaration over your life, you enter into liberty. God's declaration of righteousness over, I mean, I'll tell you what, I feel like a righteous anger against this thing. I believe it's God's righteous anger against the religious systems of the world, including religious Christianity that has been developed and influenced by the prince of the power of the air to hold God's people in bondage by blinding them to who they truly are and what truly belongs to them and what they're truly called to manifest on the earth. I'll tell you what, we say it. Here's the problem, just like I said earlier, it's not intellectual. We can say all the verses. I know you know 2 Corinthians 5.21. That he, was, that he who knew no sin was made to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. I know you know that verse, but do you believe it? I know you know it. Listen, you know all the right things. You can say all the right things, but do you actually believe them? Because your life is driven in the direction of what you believe, not in your head, but in your heart. That's the problem. We think we got it in our head. We know the verse. We can quote it. We can say it. But do we actually believe it on a level where it actually begins to change the way that we live our life? So I'm telling you, it's not surface level level intellectualism. That really is legalism. It's hypocrisy to believe something that you don't actually have. Man, I didn't really expect this to go this way, but (laughs) it's, see, because you can believe something, you can mentally assent to something, but I'm talking about in your subconscious, in the deepest parts of your imagination, do you really believe that's true about you? That's why the gospel is the revelation of the righteousness of God. Because when you get the revelation, you don't have to dot all the I's and cross all the T's in order to live it out. 
you live out of a revelation of your identity, of who you truly are. And the devil wants to blind you from that because he knows if you ever discover it, then he's totally lost every tool that he has to try and keep you from fulfilling what God... I want to move on from this, but I don't feel like I can. We're so mixed up in this area. I'm telling you, we're so mixed up in this area. Let me just say this to you. You are either unrighteous or you're perfectly righteous. There is no in between. You are either unrighteous in the sight of God or you're perfectly righteous. You say, well, you don't know what happened yesterday. I don't care. You're either unrighteous or you're perfectly righteous. Because listen, the reason why you think there's degrees to righteousness is because you're basing it on you. That's what legalism is. It's I measure my right standing before God and my righteousness as a person based on my performance. And listen, let me just tell you something. The standard to be perfectly righteous is Jesus. (laughs) God's standard of righteousness is absolute perfection. So you're either going to perform absolutely perfect all the time or you better receive God's offer of perfect righteousness as a gift based on what Jesus did. And here's the thing. If you have, then you need to start believing that you are perfectly righteous because I'm telling you the tool of the enemy is to try and come along and convince you that you're not. Condemnation kills. Man. Condemnation kills. And and condemnation is the fruit of legalism. If you're in legalism, you're dealing with condemnation. And it is affecting your ability to function as a new creation. Man, I tell you what, I'm saying some stuff. (laughs) Condemnation is the fruit of legalism. And it will kill the life of God from flowing in your experience. Measuring yourself by other people. I'll just, I'll just say this. Do you know legalism killed Jesus? Legalism stoned Stephen. Legalism hindered Paul's spreading of the gospel everywhere he went. Legalism. Legalism is the greatest enemy. It's the greatest hindrance to the gospel The devil's not a problem. Not very many of you believe that. (laughs) You know, the Bible says that he's defeated. He has been disarmed. The devil's not the problem. The problem is is that you're falling for his lies. The problem is, is that 
the church believes what the devil says more than they believe what God says. <laughs> Probably because we listen to what he says more than we listen to what God says. I'm going to take a drink on that one. <sighs> you know what condemnation does? Is it causes you to take your eyes off of the perfect righteousness that was given to you as a gift and put it on your performance. And to measure your righteousness in degree by how good you perform. You're, you're, he got you then. You know, in fact, uh, I'm just kind of going with the flow. In Mark 11, 23, you know where Jesus says, if you believe and doubt not in your heart, you know, talking about that you'll have what you say, the faith principle. You know, the word doubt is diacrino, and it means, dia means through, crino means judgment. You know where the source of your doubt is in regard to your spiritual life? Condemnation. That's what it means. Crino means condemnation. The, way, the reason you doubt, which counteracts your faith, is not because you don't believe God's able. It's because you don't believe he would do anything for you or through you. Why? Because you're not looking at the finished work of Jesus. You're looking at your work. And you, and you know you don't measure up. And you don't. <laughs> That's the good news. When the devil comes, here's the thing, man. You can disarm him if you would just quit arguing. And when he comes and he says, you don't measure up, you say, you got it. I don't. Good thing my righteousness isn't based on me measuring up. (laughs) Good thing my righteousness isn't based on me. It's based on the one who's perfect. It's based on the one who provided a free gift of righteousness, perfect standing, perfect new creation life. Mm. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Condemnation will kill your relationship with God. How, how good of a relationship can you have with somebody if they're always basing how they feel about you on how you, how you perform. And that's what a lot of people think. They think God is just, he's keeping notes. And uh, your meetings with him, your, you know, your prayer time with him is going over all your flaws and all your failures. Who would want to do that? <laughs> Amen. Here's what condemnation will do to you, just like in the film, a uh, guy had settled into a, um, a form of captivity, which is comfort. Here's where a lot of Christians are at. Because they're condemned, they settle into a comfort zone. Mm. They don't enjoy their relationship with the Lord like they could. So condemnation causes you to not make courageous choices, but just to settle into comfort zones. That's what, that's what Christians do. Because here's the thing, we get born again, we instantly get on fire for God. 
Oh, I'm telling you, we're full of zeal. We're going to win the world. There's no miracle that's too hard. There's nothing God can't and won't do. I mean, we're just, we're lit. We are lit. I'm telling you, I came out of Creek County Jail, and I believed God could and would do anything. Why? Because he just saved a drug addict who is an absolute failure and criminal, and he gave me the greatest miracle when I had been not reading my Bible, going to church, paying tithes. I wasn't doing anything righteous, anything holy. And in that moment, he transformed me by the new birth, and he recreated me in righteousness and true holiness. And he would do that for me in that condition in my darkest times. Mm. I believed he could and would do anything, and he would do it through me. You know what the problem is? That after that, we start looking at ourselves. We start measuring ourselves by our performance. And we come under, because it's the devil that does it. And he does it through religious Christianity. Here's the ruse. He does it through religious Christianity. So you think you're doing the right thing. Because you're, you're just trying to live right. You're trying to do everything right. You're trying. <laughs> Come on. Anybody ever been there before? And suddenly, deceptively, you shift your focus off of what Jesus has done and the new birth and the new creation and the righteousness of God. And you start looking at you. And then what happens is that fire begins to burn down. That zeal begins to ebb away. That excitement turns to kind of like what Trevor said, boredom. And before you know it, you're sinking into a comfort zone. You think, well, this isn't that exciting anymore. I'll do what I have to do. I'll go to church. I'll read my Bible. I'll serve but I'm not really excited about it. I can see on a lot of people's faces that I just... (laughs) That's what happens to us. And the devil just... reels you right in. And he gets you to settle into just a comfort zone, which is an invisible captivity... It's an invisible captivity that keeps you from living the life that God ordained for you to live. See, what, God, what Guy doesn't know and he doesn't find out till later is that he was actually created in and for another system. Guy's character, this is, this is awesome, was actually created in another game system called Life Itself. And it resembles a garden paradise. What happened was life itself was stolen, get this, and it was hidden by building free city around it. And life itself was there in the system the whole time. And although Guy was blinded to it, in his heart he knew something was missing. Oh, man. You know why? Because this this is what happened to mankind. We were created in the Garden of Eden in the pure and perfect atmosphere of God's presence and the kingdom of God. 
And we know when man fell, he had to leave that existence. But the, the, um, the echoing in his heart of what was lost is still there. Oh, everybody knows. That's why religion, people are drawn to religion. And, and don't get, get this, social ideologies, they're religions. They're religions of the world. If you don't, man, those people, like Trevor was talking about, a lot of these ideologies, they will fight, they will lay their life down for this stuff. Why? Because it's their religion. Why? The, the longing for religion is evidence of what we lost. It's evidence of what we lost. See, Muslims and Buddhists and Hindus, they're not our enemies. They're our brothers who are lost. And they're searching for what we lost originally when we had life itself, but it was stolen and it was hidden away from us. And so we're searching and we're trying to find it. And the only way to get it is through the pure gospel of Jesus presented in all of its glory. Where we're not presenting to people uh, a system to work in order to get to God but we reveal what God did to come to man. You know, mankind, we were created for another reality. One that was custom designed for us to experience life as God intended. And Ecclesiastes 3.11 says God put eternity in our hearts. That's the echoing of remembering what we had lost, even if you don't understand what it is. Let me tell you, we need to go out, we need to preach the gospel to people. Because what the gospel does is it resonates with that echo inside of every person's heart. It resonates. You know, I don't know if you know what resonance is, but if you had two pianos in here, and on one, you started hitting middle C. Eventually, middle C on the other piano would start to vibrate. That's what the gospel is. That when you preach, I'm, I'm not talking about religious Christianity. I'm not talking about telling people they got to perform in order to, in order to earn a, a place, in order to become righteous, in order to measure themselves up so that God can accept them, that he can bless them, that he can favor them. What I'm talking about is declaring the good news of what Jesus did to make us have access to the kingdom of God on earth in the midst of a, of a system that's counter, that's against us. When you begin to preach the gospel, it begins to echo in the heart of man. It begins to get, find resonance. And the Holy Spirit bears witness to it and says, yes, that's it. I know, what you, I know you know what I'm talking about. I know you know what I'm talking about. Why? Because God put eternity in our hearts. We know that our, that our true parents are not our mom and dad. We know that our true origin is God. He's our true father. And we've been alienated to him. And it's been hidden from us that we can come back. Just like the prodigal son. Did he ever cease to be the son? No, he just got lost out there. And then when he finally came to himself, which I mean, I think it means he remembered who he was. He remembered who he was. He said, 
Even the servants in my father's house have it better than I do. Mm. Man, we need to hear the, de- the declaration that the father told the other son. He said, son, all you, have all, you are always with me and all I have is thine. Oh man, some of y'all need to hear that today. You were always with me and all that I have is yours. Jesus came to awaken us and give us access to another reality. Amen. See, the message of the gospel is the announcement that we have access back into the original life of God's design. Oh, what did Jesus come preaching? His first words were, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And his miracles, they were demonstrations of the reality of the kingdom of heaven on earth overcoming the evil system of the age. But even religion has hijacked the word repentance. You know, simply, we, we, we have so much legalistic thinking that we just assume things mean what we think, what we think they mean. Repentance is really, it, it just means simply to change your thinking. Jesus came in the midst of the most religious system. They knew all the rules. They lived under the law. But they needed to change their way of thinking and realize the rules never got them into relationship with the Lord. And they needed to begin to look at Jesus and see what he was doing. That he was revealing the kingdom of heaven in the midst of in the midst of the earth, that he was bringing deliverance, that he was bringing deliverance in the midst of the earth. Repent. Look at John 17. I'm going to close with this. And I had two other clips, and I'm not even going to get to them. Thank you, Jesus. John 17 and verse 15. Jesus praying to the Father. He says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world. That's an amazing statement right there because most people believe that salvation is leaving earth. (laughs) But that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Man. Sanctify means set them apart, make a distinction in them from the world based on truth. I tell you what, and and I'm just going to say that I bet that most people, when they read the word truth, they think of moral truth. Most people, when you read the word truth, you think of the truth about what's right and what's wrong, okay? But this is good. This is what I'm going to share with you. The original word for this is aletheia, 
in the Greek. And you know what it means? It means reality. <laughs> Let me read this to you. The word truth means reality. Jesus came to reveal to us that we can live from another reality than the one that has enslaved us and blinded us to this alternate reality that Jesus came and made available, revealed to us and gave us access to. We're supposed to be living from another reality. This word aletheia, see if I can find it here. The HELPS word study says in, in ancient Greek culture, aletheia was synonymous for reality as the opposite of illusion. Oh, man. We're living in an illusion when we don't. Oh. The system of the world was created to blind us to the reality of the kingdom of heaven on earth. And what does the kingdom of heaven provide for us? Righteousness, access to God, deliverance from the blindness and the enslavement of the system and all of the results of the fall, which are sickness and disease and disorder and addiction and fear and anxiety and all of the things that are plaguing humanity and are even plaguing the church. I'm talking about divorce and despair and all of the things that are coming on the church. Why? Why is there not a distinction? We haven't been set apart by the reality of the kingdom of heaven on the earth. We don't believe that we actually have have access to live from an alternate reality. So we settle into a comfort zone and we live just like the world. We live from the same system. We find our, our satisfaction from the same things that the world does. We don't realize, we don't believe what the gospel declares. We don't believe that we can live in freedom. We don't believe that we can live in health. We don't believe that we can live in the wisdom of God. We don't believe that we are the righteousness of God. We don't believe that God can work miracles, signs, and wonders through us. We don't believe. We believe that other people can. We just don't believe we can. That is the good news. Amen. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection reconciled you to the Father and gave you a perfect righteousness. Man. You know, righteousness doesn't just mean right standing with God. I've said that many times. That's part of it. But you know, righteousness doesn't just mean right standing with God. It means... To be as you were created to be. Righteousness means to be as you were created to be. That's why Paul says that you are complete in him. That means you have nothing missing, nothing lacking, nothing broken. And when you start believing that, you'll start living that way. 
The problem is we think we're, we're, we're just working on ourselves. We're <laughs> our bad actions, our bad attitudes, our bad, all that's the fruit of bad thinking. It's because we've bought into a lie. The same lie Eve bought into. The same lie that, lie that Eve bought into. What did the serpent say? He said, when you eat this, you'll be like God. You know what she should have said? I already am. <laughs> she should have said, I already am. Most, the problem is most believers don't understand their identity as a beloved son. They don't believe in their identity as a beloved son. So they have separation between them and the father. And they think they got to do stuff. They, got, they think they got to do stuff to measure up so that he'll look on them in favor. I'm telling you, if you believe on Jesus, he is pleased with you because of your faith in Jesus. And here's the thing, because you were willing to recognize that you couldn't save yourself and you humble yourself and you put your trust in him to do in you what you could never do on your own. <laughs> and instantly he makes you as you were meant to be. The walking that out is you beginning to believe it. The renewing of the mind isn't you getting your act together. Gosh. The renewing of your mind isn't you getting your act together for God. I'm going to say that again. I feel like somebody needs to hear that. The renewing of your mind isn't you getting your act together for God so that you can do everything right. The renewing of your mind is you awakening to who you truly are in him and beginning to believe it to where you live out of that identity. I'm telling you, I remember whenever I first got the revelation of the new creation, I had believed for so long that I was an addict, that I was a drug addict, that I was a criminal, that I was a failure. I had believed all of these things about my life. And I remember the Holy Spirit took the simple verse that if any man is in Christ, he is. He is. He is. He is. He is. You are. You are, you are, he is, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new and the Holy Spirit rose up on the inside of me and I said, I'm not a drug addict. I am not a drunk. I am not a criminal. I am not a failure. I am a beloved son of almighty God. He has created me in righteousness and truth holiness I am as I was supposed to be hallelujah 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 I am as I was supposed to be I am as I was supposed to be. I can't get any better than what I am right now. I can't get any more righteous than what I am right now. I'll never be any more righteous a thousand years into eternity than I am right now, right here, today. Hallelujah. 
I'll never be more. I'll never be more than what I am right now. You'll never be more than what you are right now in him. You'll never be. You'll never be. You'll never be more healed than you are right now. You'll never be more delivered than you are right now. You'll never be more righteous than you are right now. The problem is we're carnal. We judge everything by our experience rather than by what the Word of God declares. It's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. It's time to see the enemy for who he truly is, a liar and the father of lies who cannot even tell the truth because there is no truth in him. Hallelujah. And I tell you what, when we start believing what the gospel declares, we're going to start seeing what the gospel has commanded us to do. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Reality. 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 You seated right now. <laughs> Reality. Why in the world are you seated right now? I said, why in the world are you seated right now? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hmm. Hallelujah. My Thank goodness you. gracious. My goodness gracious. My goodness gracious. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I tell you what, somebody needs to join me on a good little run here. <laughs> I'm going I'm to take me another run. Hallelujah. I'm telling you what, why, why would I run? Because the inner man yes. is so energized by what's Glory. been preached here that my body's got to respond. Glory. Oh, Hallelujah. my goodness gracious. Can anybody Glory. testify? Hallelujah. That my inner man, mm. that your inner man, is doing somersaults right now. Well, you know what? You got to get your body in line with what your spirit is doing on the inside. Hallelujah. I don't care. Go ahead and sit down if you want to. Bye, fine with me. When you believe it, you'll act like it. That's all I can tell you. Glory, glory, glory. Mm, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I tell you, there are people, this is what I saw this morning. The Lord told me there would be demonstration. I just didn't know exactly what it was. 
I'm telling you, if you've been struggling in the area that I'm talking about, you need to come up here. You need to do something. You need to do something. You need to get out of that comfort zone. It's an invisible captivity. It's an invisible captivity. The devil wants to keep you. Because, listen, you don't come up here, you go out of here, you'll just go, well, that was good. But you'll go back the same way that you came. Oh, I'm telling you, you've been struggling with this. You need to get up here. Hallelujah. I want ministers to come. I want the ministers to come. Glory, we thank you for it, Father God. Just line up here. If you've been struggling with this, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit, He came to lead and guide us into all reality. He came to lead us into all reality. Kingdom of God isn't supposed to be something that's off in the future. It's something supposed to be right now. Right now. Right now. I want you guys to just come up and begin to minister to these people. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.
There's six more people that the Lord's speaking to right now that you need to come get what you need this morning. The Holy Spirit just spoke that to me and said, there's six more people. Don't wait. Don't delay. You are wrestling with it. Just walk it through and walk in what God wants. God desires to unveil in you and reveal to you today. There's more. The word was six. You had four come. There's two more. Two more people out there that are, the Lord's dealing with you to come. The Lord's dealing with you to come.
there's somebody here that's being tormented. I don't know what that degree is, but, but God wants to set you free. It says real strong. You're being tormented. Just come and receive and be free this morning. Thank you. service out. We're going to keep, let them keep playing and the ministers are going to stay up here. If you want to come up, we're still open. We don't want you to leave without receiving from the Lord this morning. Jeff had a word, somebody's being tormented. I really feel like the Lord is saying the drumbeat of religion or of legalism is Prove, 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 prove. Just like the devil told Jesus, if you be the beloved son, if you be the son of God, do this. Oh man, you've been tormented because you've been trying to prove. You've been trying to prove you are a beloved son of God. You've been trying to prove it. Let me tell you, legalism, there's another thing legalism doesn't ever say. It never says enough. You'll never satisfy that drumbeat of legalism. Come and get free this morning, but you are dismissed to go if you need to go.